Thank you, Joanna, for reading that so wonderfully. And hearing it in a different translation brings it to life as well, which is really great. So let's pray first. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day, 17th of July, 2022. This is the day that you have made, the day you ordained that we should be sitting here. Thank you ever so much for this day, Lord. What a privilege it is to be standing here. What a privilege it is to hear your word. The same word that was spoke all those years ago, Lord. What an absolute privilege it is for me, Father, to try and share a little bit of what you said and to try and understand that wee bit more. Heavenly Father, I pray that our hearts here today would be receptive and be like the good soil that we would accept and just acknowledge and allow you to work and grow in us. And most of all, Lord, I pray as I share this word, there'd be less of me and more of you. I ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, it's um, very interesting. A lot of that, what's in that chapter is, it's an amazing chapter. It was the beginning of Jesus really beginning to use parables more and more all the time. If we recap a little bit from Mark, in the first few chapters, we, we, we read that Jesus had started his ministry, began to heal people, word spread about him. More and more people started to come along, whether it was to see the miracles or to hear Jesus. When he went into the synagogues, his teaching, as they said, was of one who had authority. Now, while he was doing this, the teachers of the law, the Pharisees, the Herodians, the Sadducees, all the people who had had great sort of success at this time as being very um, important and VIP people, they didn't like it at all. Because not only was Jesus teaching as one who has authority, he was teaching things that they didn't like. They called it blasphemy. They said he was the son of man when they accused him of feeding his disciples on the Sabbath, for healing on the Sabbath, for doing all these things. So we read that Jesus is going along. He's chosen his 12 disciples. He's doing amazing miracles wherever he goes to the point where in Capernaum when he was in the house, there was that many people there. And this amazing story of the, the paraplegic who was brought along in the mat. They couldn't get near him, so they tore the roof off. Imagine we're sitting here right now and uh, all of a sudden we start to hear <coughs> and all these things and uh, some of the roof comes off. It'd be amazing, wouldn't it? So how they thought, how they thought, but... Jesus loved this, and they, they dropped the, the chap down, and he, and he healed him. Um, but what really irked him is, before he healed him, he actually said to him, your sins are forgiven. And he knew what he was saying, because it also said that Jesus knew the hearts and minds, and he knew what the Pharisees and teachers of the law were thinking. And he challenged them. He got really angry with them. The humanness of Jesus got really so upset and cross with the people saying, what's easier to say, your sins are forgiven or get up and walk? And he did both. So we see that the Pharisees, we actually read that they started to plot to kill Jesus from that time on. And this is very early in his ministry. Um, even more than that, they didn't accept any of his teaching because he was direct teaching and he spoke the scriptures. He said, I fulfilled the scriptures today when he was in the synagogues and temples. He taught as one who had authority. Amazing. When he was casting out demons, the teachers of the law tried to actually stir up the crowds as well. 
And uh, to me, it's one of the gravest things they ever did, is they actually said, it's by the spirit of Beelzebub, it's by Satan that he is driving out demons. And not by the hand of God, but by the hand of Satan. Well, Jesus spoke very sternly about that and says, you know, that all men's sins will be forgiven them, but do not grieve the Holy Spirit. If you grieve the Holy Spirit, your sins will never be forgiven. And that's because they said it was because he was Satan, had an impure spirit, and that's how he was driving out. So this is the recap of where we come to in Mark chapter 4. Because of all the crowds, and there was multitude of crowds, and they were coming from Tiberias, Judea, they were coming from all over now to hear Jesus and to see the miracles and to be healed and to be touched. Uh, so therefore, he told his disciples to go and prepare the boat in the Sea of Galilee, which he did. And the crowds were that big. And we, we, we read here from chapter 4, verse 1. Again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat out in, in the lake. While all the people were along the shore at the water's edge, and he taught them many things in parables. And that was the beginning. Even that would have been upsetting to the teachers of the law and the religious people of the day because, wow, you don't teach in a boat? What's this? You have to go to the synagogue. You have to go to the temple. You have to come into the church to teach about the kingdom of God and the things of God. And here's Jesus in a boat beginning to teach people. The, the, the first three parables um, are, are all about the kingdom of God and discipleship and, and coming into the kingdom of God and allowing God to work in your heart. Um, the parable of the sower, as, as we've sort of, Joanna so aptly read for us, was uh, about how we receive the word of God. And Jesus was speaking directly at the people. The reason he chose to speak in parables is that the people were not accepting his direct teaching. And therefore, in a wee bit, Jesus quotes Isaiah 6, verses 9 and 10. Uh, Simon touched on Isaiah 6 last week, a wee bit. And it said, the people will be ever hearing, but never understanding. And ever seeing, but never believing. Because their hearts were calloused. And on the reverse, Jesus says, but if they would just hear me and see me, I would heal them and touch their hearts and let them grow. So Jesus quoted Isaiah 6 and 9 and started to speak in parables to them. And he explained to his disciples why he was speaking to parables. The disciples had asked him about this. When he was alone, the 12, verse 10, and the others around him asked him about the parables, he told them, the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to those on the outside, everything is said in parables. And this is Isaiah 6, 9, and 10. They may ever be seeing, but never perceiving, and ever under hearing, but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. Then Jesus had said to them, don't you understand this parable? How will then you understand any parable? He was foretelling them that this is what's going to be the way of things to come. The other reason Jesus spoke in parables, I believe, and, and I have read, that he wanted people to seek him. He wanted people not just to take... See, a lot of people were believing in the miracles, a lot of people were just seeing what was happening, but they weren't interested in the teaching, they weren't interested in becoming closer to God, a better person, or a new life in the kingdom of heaven. So Jesus' parables were for people that were wanted to find out. And he knew by parables, and this is the grace of God, even that people weren't interested, if they started to think about the parable, they would at least be thinking about what Jesus was saying. Even if they didn't understand it, 
they were beginning to think about it. They were beginning to process it. And that way, that is a form of seeking the truth. When, when you ask and say, Lord, I don't understand this. Can you please help me? The direct teaching, they were totally rejecting. So Jesus used the parables, and he used them really, really well. I mean, the fantastic parables, as we've read. Um, so on lamp on a stand from verse 21 is self-explanatory. Jesus said, when you become a Christian, don't hide it. Basically, let's talk about 2022. If you're a Christian, don't hide it. Let your neighbors know. Let your work colleagues know. Let people at school know. There's ways and means to do it. Ask God for wisdom. Ask for divine appointments. Ask people. You know, if people don't know we're Christians, when they're in time of need, you know, we'll, we, we'll be there for them. So it's, this is what Jesus is saying. If you have a lamp, have it. If you have light, shine. If you're a Christian, let people know. And I, I interpret that as just for this day and age and that. It's so important. I've, I've, through the years, I've been a Christian a wee while. In construction, I've had men, big strapping men, come up to me and say, I know you're a Christian. Could you please pray for me? I'm having real problems in my marriage. I'm having real problems with my family and that. And it's such a privilege and an honor. But if they never knew I was a Christian, you know, it wouldn't have happened. And it built my faith up and it helped them. And I don't know if they ever became a Christian. That wasn't the precedent of why. Okay, I'll only pray for you if you accept Jesus Christ into your life. No, you know. They think we're daft anyway, all right? Okay? Listen, chapter, Mark chapter 3, his own parents, his own family said he is mad. They called Jesus mad. They thought he was daft. So, hey, they're going to think we're daft anyway. I'm not talking about running into your workplace saying, Hallelujah, praise the Lord, Jesus is saved. If you want to do it, great. Okay, but... All I'm saying is that one-to-one, the love of God, the friendship, the fellowship, the heavenly Father, the Father's love of God gets around people. And I've experienced it so many times with men in construction asking for prayer or, or by shining my light, I've heard something and I've said, you know something, I'm a Christian and we believe in prayer. Would you mind if I pray for you? I, I never tell them I'm going to pray. I always ask because it's, it's quite a polite and it's a, it's a respectful thing to do. And it doesn't mean just because you're not a Christian, I'm not going to pray for you. And that's important too. You know, we, we do it with our friends. But what, it's just, if people know we're there, it's, it's almost like I've had people say to me, I believe in God. I know he's there. And when I need him, I'll call on him. And I'm going, oh, Lord, that is, so, that is so unwise, you know. But praise the Lord. So we see a lot of different kinds of people. The, the parable of the growing seed. Verse 26, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground night and day. Whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and, goes and grows, though he does not know how. I think that's so important too, that it's whatever we do in life, we, we are sowing seeds every time we spread the word, every time we tell someone about the Lord, every time we tell a testimony about what God's doing in our life. We're sowing seeds. I'm sure all of us here have spoken to people over the years and countless people. Some people, I know one good friend of mine, I spoke to him for 17 years and he died without knowing or without accepting Jesus, as far as I know. But do you know what I mean? There's other people you can speak to once and they become Christians and it's quite amazing, but that's nothing to do with us. It's all to do with we were faithful in sowing the seed. So don't ever give up. Don't ever think just because you've spoken to someone countless times that nothing's getting through because it's not up to us. If we're faithful, 
You know, the, the amazing thing is that same seed that we are sowing is growing within us. As you talk to someone about Jesus, as you talk to someone about your faith, what's actually happening is your own faith is growing. The seed that God has planted within us, James 1.20, I told myself I'm not going to go off the gospel of Mark today, so, but there is a seed growing within us. The parables of the sower, of the, of the sowing of the seed and the growing of the seed and the mustard seed are all personal. They're all to do with our own spiritual growth in Christ. And as we share, as we share our faith, our faith grows too. So it's a win-win situation, isn't it? You've got a lack of faith? Share your faith. I know that's really hard, but uh, if we pray and ask God, God will make a way for us. It is God who wants us to produce a crop of 30, 60, and 100 fold. That's not the, the outcome we should look for. The outcome I look for is just to be, be closer to God and to know more of him. And, and boy, oh boy, do you get challenged when you walk out that door. Because that's the real life, isn't it? It's when we get out there, how do we live our Christian lives? The parable of the growth. Even if you don't see something happening, now I'm sure there's many people here that have had words spoken into them. God's going to use you. God's going to do this. God's going to raise you up for this. God's going to speak into your life. And it's not happened. Don't give up. Okay? It's God who will make it grow. It's God who's timing. It's God who decides when the fruit will come forth. But don't ever give up. Just keep growing. Keep faithfully praying. and Keep holding on to that word. I've had words many, many years ago. And I've thought, Lord, that's fantastic. And I keep praying on to it. But it, it doesn't distract me from getting to know the Lord or, you know, sharing with other people. So, the mustard seed again, uh, that, that has got a deeper meaning. It can have two beaten meanings. I mean, the thing with the parable, it comes from the Greek word paroble, which is bole is throw. And parole is, is throw alongside. So basically the word parable is to get alongside or to throw alongside with the truth. So Jesus used parables of the truth to explain the truth, which is really exciting. But oftentimes they have more than one meaning. Like you could sow the seed to others, but the same seed is also sown to us and it's grown in us. And the mustard seed can be of the church as a whole. It started off as a tiny mustard seed with well, John the Baptist, Jesus, the disciples, the father church, the early church, and now the whole world. So that could be likened to the mustard seed that grows into the biggest tree with the branches, um, that, that, you know, the birds of the air, which the analogy earlier on is that Satan's is the birds that picks the seeds from that. So no matter, God will grow his kingdom amidst everything. Okay? The birds of the air can be sitting on that tree, but it's a tree of the kingdom of God, and it doesn't matter because it's still going to grow as we allow it to grow. The same mustard seed can grow in us, and it will grow in us. Our faith can be challenged in many ways, but I believe the more our faith is challenged and the more we turn to the Lord in it, the more we will grow as well. So, so these are the four parables, and they're really all about just, um, not really all about, but the kingdom of God, the discipleship, following Christ, and, that. and I don't know when you read it, but they seem pretty explanatory to me. But then Jesus did say that the kingdom of heaven has been given to us. When we receive Christ as Savior, when we're baptized in the Holy Spirit, when we ask for the deeper things of the Lord, I do believe that God opens our eyes. You know, Jesus said in, the, in the, the parable, he said, be careful what you hear.
It's the same measure you use, it will be measured to you. And that's really important. And I think is that there was a, as I was working on this and researching and studying it, I felt God would say it's so important in this day and age, today, July the 17th, be careful what you hear. With the same measure you use, it will be used to you. We see on social media, this is a COVID mad world. The world has gone mad. Okay? I don't believe there's anything new. Satan's been on the go from, from early days, but the Lord Jesus and Heavenly Father is in total control. But this world is crazy. The things they're talking about with, with COVID, they're, they're filling our minds with all these things. We read it, we see it on social media, we see it in mainstream media. You know, the wars we know nothing about, yet celebrities and politicians. When on earth has any celebrity or politician visited a, a, a country that's at war? I mean, these are things that you just think, are we taking it in? Are we believing it? Jesus said, be careful what you hear. I want to go back to the word of God. And anything I hear out there, I want to, I want to get it alongside the word of God and ask me, does this tie in with the word of God? Do I really believe it or do I believe the word of God? And I believe that's a, a very important for us because we're going to hear a lot more. I don't think this world is going to get much better as such. Praise the Lord. But we need to be so careful. What we read, what we hear, is it the word of God? Do we believe the word of God or do we believe what we're hearing there? And I believe we, we need to really get into our Lord and our, our, our word of God. Jesus calms the storm. Well, that day when evening came, this is verse 35 to 41. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Wow. Wow. That's one of my favorite few passages in, in, in Mark 4, the gospel. I've done, well, let's be honest. We've gotten plenty of favorite ones, haven't we? But at the time, this is Jesus calms a storm. We're in a storm, brothers and sisters, family here. We're in a storm. Whether you're a Christian or whether you're not a Christian, it doesn't matter. The storms of life affect us all. And we're in a storm. Jesus is with us in the storm. But it's quite interesting. So Jesus, they'd been there all day because it said in the day, he got in the boat, he'd been teaching the, the multitudes and healing, whatever, all day. And then he said, let's go over to the other side. They didn't go and get food. They didn't go and get supplies, extra tunics. They didn't tell anybody. He just said, from the shore, let's go over to the other side. Now remember, his disciples, a lot of them were fishermen. They'd been fishermen for years. They, they knew the Sea of Galilee. They knew the lakes. They, they knew or Lake Tiberias is the Sea of Galilee. Um, so they left and they went up. And then Jesus, this is wonderful because here's the humanness of Jesus. We read in the first three chapters that Jesus got quite angry and frustrated with the teachers of the Lord. Now, that's the humanness of Jesus. All right? 
Although he was tempted, he did not sin. But his human feelings were there. He got so fed up with the people. He got angry with the people. You know, we see many emotions. As you get to know who Jesus is, you see all the emotions, and it's wonderful. And here's the emotion. Is he was basically tired. He was, he was dog-tired. So he got into the boat, and he went to the stern. Interestingly enough, the stern is what steers the boat. The rudder's there. So that's, anyway, he got in, and he had a kip. All right? He put his head down and thought, I need to rest. He was a human being. His body got tired. You spend all day in the garden, Morag, you are absolutely done for. <laughs> we spend time working. We're tired. We need to sleep. And so did Jesus. Now, I've done a wee bit of research on the Sea of Galilee, and I spent some time there in my, in my life. And the thing that, it had frequent storms. The Sea of Galilee is the, it's the lowest freshwater lake in the world. It's something like 209 meters below sea level at the Mediterranean, just over. It's the, second, it's the second lowest to the Dead Sea of anywhere in the world. But surrounding the Sea of Galilee is cliffs and rifts, and they call it the Valley of the Rifts. And what happens is the wind comes down, and it comes onto the sea, and it churns up. So there's frequent storms. So this isn't anything unusual. The disciples, the fishermen, had known. Then this is where they made their living. So they knew about all the storms. But the Bible said there was a furious squall that came up. This was furious. And it started to swamp the boat. The boat was taken on water. So they were going to drown. They knew. And these, these guys were going to drown. Jesus was sleeping, you know. I was, as Caroline and I were reading it together, she says, I wonder why the, all the battering about and banging on the water didn't wake up Jesus. I said, because he was so tired, you know. But his sleep was a sleep of peace. A sleep of faith and a sleep of peace. But interestingly enough, what did wake Jesus up it wasn't all the bashing about the to and fro. It wasn't the water. It wasn't the, It was the cries of his disciples. Please hear it. Don't stop crying out to Jesus when the storm is raging and you think it can't get any worse and it gets worse. Cry out. Keep crying out. Jesus, look, we've all experienced it. We think Jesus is sleeping. How, how long have we prayed for healing and it doesn't happen? It's like Jesus is sleeping. He doesn't hear us. We pray for marriages to work. They break down. It's like Jesus doesn't hear us. It's like he's sleeping. See the analogy? Keep crying out. Keep calling them. You know? And even though Jesus is in the boat with us, we still need to approach him. It's not enough that we've just become Christians. We need to keep approaching Jesus, crying out to him, asking for help. Very, very important. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion. I believe it's a leather cushion that the, the, the sailors have. It's not like a nice fluffy, uh, you know, <laughs> this is a hard leather cushion. So you must have been tired. Eh? The disciples woke him. But interestingly enough, they didn't say, Lord, help us, help us. Right? They said, Lord, don't you care if we're going to drown? Wow. Okay, that, that really got to me, you know. But then Jesus got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified. Terrified. They were scared in the storm, and now they're terrified. Tell you what, the humanist of Jesus was sleeping in the boat, the godliness, the deity of Jesus stood up and rebuked the wind. 
told the storm to be quiet, and told the waves to be calm. That is the deity of God. In, in one moment, the humanness of Jesus sleeping fast to the godliness of our heavenly Father getting up. The thing with the Sea of Galilee and any storm, when there's a storm and it rages, after it dies down and the wind goes, it takes a long time for the waters and the waves to eventually calm down. We read here, it was immediately calm. And I believe these fishermen, that's part of why they would have been so terrified. Because God had just visited them on that boat. Jesus used the same tone as he rebuked the demons and told them, be quiet. He spoke to the storm. He told it to be quiet, and it was quiet. The wind died down, but not only that, he said, be still, and it was completely calm. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. The day, the God's, the, the, oh, wow, I'd be terrified too. You think, what is going on here? And I'm sure that has never, ever happened again. Completely calm. But Jesus had to turn and still teach. This was his motley crew. This was his disciples. You know, here's another thing Jesus slept. He could have been thinking about so many things. What keeps us from having a peaceful sleep? All the things we think about. It's only when we still our minds, read the word. Personally, I like to read the word before bed because it does something for me. It stills my mind. It takes the things away from me. Jesus could have been worried about, wow, they're plotting to kill me now. They're accusing me of working for the other side. My own family think I'm mad. Right? I've got this motley crew who's going to be the disciples for the rest of the world. I know what lays ahead of me. He could have been worrying about so many other things, but he didn't. He had the sleep of peace. And when he stood up, oh, amazing, amazing. But he said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? When they went to the other side, Jesus said, let's go to the other side. He didn't say, let's try and get to the other side. Hey, there's a storm coming. We better hurry up because it's going to drown us. Jesus didn't say that. He said, go to the other side. And I believe he sort of chastised them a bit and said, why are you so afraid? Do you not trust me? When they woke him up, they said, we're going to drown. Do you not care? Do you really think I don't care? I'm, I'm, I'm with you in this. I'm teaching you this. I'm showing you how to love and how to live a life. You know, I think the most important thing here is Jesus is in the boat. Brothers and sisters, whatever storm we've got in life, Jesus is in the boat. He's with us. We're not going to drown. Hallelujah. We're not going to drown. The church as a whole is not going to ground. You hear the stories. Be careful what you hear. The church is depleting. The church is not growing. The church is dying. The church will never die because Jesus is in the boat. Whatever storm is thrown at us, individually, figuratively, worldly, it's, we're not going to drown because Jesus is in the boat and he's in full control. Thank you for listening to me. Just pray, Heavenly Father. Lord, you are in the boat. And at times I forget that too, Lord. And I allow myself to be captured by fear, captured by desires, captured by all these other constant barrages that go in our minds and in our lives as we step out. But Lord Jesus, I ask personally and I ask here, Lord, that we would be like the soil, the good soil, that our hearts would be soft, that our hearts would be receptive to hear your word, 
to allow you to grow in us and to know that pruning is part of that growth. And when we fail, Lord, it is hurtful and it is hard. But Lord Jesus, please remind us that you're in the boat. You're not going to let us drown and you're never going to let us go. That you're here for us. You've accomplished what you've accomplished. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Pray you would help us, Lord, as we read your word, that we would come before you, Lord, and ask that our hearts would be soft, that we wouldn't rush through it and be caught up with the things of the day. I know sometimes I can read half a chapter and then think, my goodness, I don't even know what I've read. That's a reality, Lord. We're all the same. When it comes to read your word, we've got so many other things to think about. Hmm, did I turn the oven off? Blast, got to go to the shop still. Oh no, I forgot to do this. So many things that try and distract us. Please help us, teach us, Lord, how to come to your word every day. The parable of the sower is for every single day and every time we pick up your word, Lord. Please help us to allow it to grow within us, to change us, and be, to become fruitful. Thank you for today, Lord. And I just pray and just take a moment in time and just to, I believe this is a time where between you and the Heavenly Father, you can just bear your heart to him. Just privately on your own, just say, Lord, there's a storm raging in my life and I'm really scared about it. And I don't know if I'm going to make the other end, but I've heard today that you're in the boat, Lord, and you're not going to let us drown. You're never going to leave us. You're never going to forsake us, Lord. But we need help. We need your help, Lord. We really do. Thank you for hearing us. And once more, Lord, thank you for this. Oh, the privilege of just learning about you. And the, the awesome privilege of being able to share it. Thank you, Lord. Forgive me for my errors, but just thank you, Jesus. Thank you that your word is alive. It's not a strict rule book or an instruction manual. It's living and active. It changes us, teaches us, shows us how we can live better. The peace that you bring, Heavenly Father, is like no other. And I just, I just sense for those who have no peace in their hearts and have no peace over situations that they maybe have been toiling with for a long time. I just pray peace right now. Holy Spirit, just come in power. Come in peace. Just as that storm, as Jesus told it, he told the waters to be still. Be still. Let us know your peace, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's start together.